Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are talking about the amazing women in Star Trek Discovery, but not Michael. Because Michael was last week. <laughs> literally, that's crazy. We have literally a whole episode we just did with Giraffe on Michael. And now we're covering the rest of our main characters. So this is absolutely wild. It's such a difference from the original series when there were no women. And so it's really exciting to have so much content that we have to split it into two halves. If you listened to last week, you'll know that we did not intend to split this (laughs) podcast into two parts. But we talked for so long with Giraffe and had such an amazing discussion and just had so much fun with her that we really felt like it would just like take so long. <laughs> it would literally be like a four hour episode. To discuss the other ones. And we've done really long episodes. I mean, friends, yeah. you know, but we try not to do, we try not to make it a habit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes it just feels right to cut it and, or to split it in half. So we did. And I'm really glad we did because I feel like we're going to have more time to talk about these other main characters. The last similarity that we're going to have between uh, last week's episode and this one is that we are continuing the tradition of giving toasts to these amazing women. So last week we kind of sprinkled out the episode with amazing women that we wanted to showcase. And so we are going to continue to do that. And we even added some more because I got all my toasts out in the last episode. So we have more women to celebrate and it's just going to be a really fun podcast. So uh, the episodes that we watched to prepare for this were for Empress Giorgio, we watched Perpetual Infinity and Terra Firma Part 1 and 2. Essential viewing for Emperor Giorgio. (laughs) Um, And then for Tilly, we watched Choose to Live and All is Possible. And we also saw some scenes from Despite Yourself and Far From Home. For Reno, we watched Brother and Species 10C. For Detmer, we watched Forget Me Not. And also some scenes in Coming Home and Rosetta. For Awoshikun, we watched The Hope Is You Part 2. And we were thrilled to watch All In from season yes. four. I oh, feel like wow. I, my love has a, a, awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. And uh, I just can't wait to talk to her. To talk to her. I wish. <laughs> oh my Could God. I can't yeah. wait to talk about her. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, I guess we have to start out this episode. Talk, should we talk about the juice? We already talked about the juice last week. We talked week. about the juice. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're <laughs> foregoing our juice discussion. And instead, Rihanna, I am hoping that you can tell us a little bit about Perpetual Infinity and just Giorgio in general. Yeah, oh my gosh. Well, she is someone I've been really excited to talk about for quite a long time, partially because there is so much to know about Giorgio, and we discussed her briefly last week. Uh, her prime counterpart and so we're not going to go as much into her beginnings we talked about that a little bit in our family series and also 
we really want to just save as much mirror universe content as we can for a series upcoming so i know it's painful friends but just hang in there (laughs) it's like all these other series where we have to sort of leave out parts but uh i chose perpetual infinity specifically because of the protectiveness and like change in character that giorgio shows in this episode and i love seeing her interact with with gabrielle like it's so interesting to see these two pretty much pseudo mothers interacting and there's something about it that's just so enticing and really expands her character and i also want to say this too about uh empress giorgio is that there are so many people that I know that do not like her as a character or was like were relieved to see her go or whatever and I just am not in that camp at all like I think that one that her arcs are is like one of the best in all of Star Trek and I'm gonna try to like not bring my extreme bias into this but I just love her so much that like to see where she comes from and where she is now is just incredible. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second, but Terra Firma perfectly shows the distance that she's come as a character. Yeah, yeah, I really like watching Perpetual Affinity because I think it showcases a lot of what is happening with Giorgio in season two. And she has not really found her place in in section 31 but it's kind of the only place for her within starfleet and everybody really wants to keep it under wraps that she's from the mirror universe and so she can't really do anything outside of starfleet and so i just love seeing the relationship she has with leland because she's constantly testing him in his power and questioning him and she, she doesn't really trust him or really care about him. And so yeah. it's just funny to see their relationship. I love how she's so cunning, manipulative, and she can read people so well. Like, she literally is the true vibe of a Slytherin, you know? Like, she is really so s- smart and really knows people so well. And she knows how to play their games and stuff when all along she's playing her own agenda and her own game and so to see her interactions with Leland especially once they know he's control and all of that stuff she is just so badass and so ready to just like knock his knock his ass down well and she's the one who kills him (laughs) yeah Literally with the coolest way possible and the most disgusting when we have to see them cleaning out Leland guts, but you know. <laughs> oh, so nasty. And I think that curse was okay. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> curse approved. Yes. Call it <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, going back to this episode, I feel like she shows a lot of vulnerability in Perpetual Infinity in her sort of like lashing out way you know it's really interesting to see because she is not on board with uh using michael as bait for the red angel and she is like chomping at the bit to go down and save her and it's so interesting to watch because we know now having seen terra firmer her relationship to michael is very similar to prime Giorgio's relationship like mentor mentee or mother daughter relationship yeah i think michael is totally her achilles heel she can be this amazing badass emperor, but when Michael, where my daughter is concerned, yes. you know, she just can't keep it together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I also love, you mentioned earlier the um, kind of cat and mouse exchange between the two moms, and I also really like that scene. I thought that Giorgio was putting her anger onto Michael's mom because 
she knows the pain that Michael has gone through. I mean, she doesn't know, like, prime Michael's struggles, but she can imagine, you know, it's very similar. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, she, I mean, yeah, she watched Michael grow up, and so she can really imagine, like, the pain that Michael would have gone through. And I think she's angry at this situation for her. And so I love to see her kind of interact like with this mask on you know like pretending that she doesn't care but gabrielle like right i mean she's just very she has some candor um yes and so she thanks Giorgio, you know and also says take care of her for me you know they have that really real moment which i love this is so cool to me because i think though Giorgio lashes out um you're right it totally comes from a place of her trying to figure out like how to reconcile Michael being alone in this universe when I think Georgia was always by her side since she picked her up from the trash heap so much so that she pushed Michael away and like, you know, never let her have her own autonomy. And so I think seeing this different side of Michael to maybe a Michael that she would have wanted to raise more is even more painful to see. And so you're right, she is lashing out at Gabrielle and she's angry at her for leaving Michael but obviously Gabrielle didn't have a choice you know and so it's one of those really tough situations but I just love this conversation even though it's messy it's important that they had it oh yeah absolutely this kind of leads on um before we go to terra firma we watched the episode far from home which is episode two of season three so it's right when discovery is coming into the future and i just wanted to briefly talk about Giorgio in that moment because this is one of her other moments before terra firma that i see her character development just like going nuts like they re- the writers build something really interesting for her and so the whole episode Giorgio is like pretty much frantically looking for michael in her own way i mean she's again, taking her anger out on people and taking matters into her own hands. But it's so interesting to see that protective side of Giorgio come out because that's fierce. Yeah, it really is fierce. And I mean, she's totally acting out because she's so desperate to see Michael. And Saru also just does a great job in this episode, kind of taking the lead as a captain. And he knows how, he knows exactly why Giorgio is freaking out. And so he's able to kind of put a handle on it. But also, Giorgio saves all of them at the end of this episode. Oh, yeah, totally. When Tilly and Saru have been, like, kind of held by this guy, this minor guy. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> he's a runner, so it's he's It's very like, Star Wars, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just showing you this rough future. And Giorgio says it herself that the future is more um, Terran than it is Prime. And so... Giorgio, I think, would have done very well in this future had she not started having, like, the glitches happen. Yeah, or even just, it's so funny because, like, she does get these real glitches, like, in her body and stuff, but I feel like also she gets these sort of character glitches or resets almost when she comes to the future because it gives her a whole new perspective. She's, like, with Section 31 for so long in this in-between phase before they go to the future that then now she's spending all this time around Discovery and around that family and like begrudgingly starting to accept them as her family and as like comrades and not just, you know, like cautious allies. And so it's so interesting to see her growth. And I think it's beautiful. Like it's one of the most gorgeous arcs, like I was saying, but I don't know, it's just really special to me because it's like showing that like, even people who grew up in a literal like fascist Nazi universe can still change their ways and like, you know, become someone blooming and growing. 
I'm thinking about different quotes in the original series where Spock says it was much harder for the Terran people to fit into our universe than for us, quote unquote, like sophisticated or like the prime to fit into the mirror. But again, I can't talk about any of that because we're not talking about it. Um, I also just want to agree with you that Giorgio's arc is amazing. And it's one of my favorite types of character arcs, the negative to positive arc, because Mm -hmm. it's so incredibly satisfying. And once again, I have to show my anime nerdiness and just because she really reminds me of Vegeta, honestly, from DBZ, from Dragon Ball Z. Um, he starts out as such a terrible, murderous character who's, mm-hmm. like, killing their friends. And then at the oh. end, he's, like, a family man, you know? So Love that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Giorgio, that I, think, I think given her enough time, she would be heading in the same direction. Oh, she already really is yeah. by terra firma, you know? And I think it comes from, like, it's so interesting that it took her so long to start glitching i feel like it was a while because she's been separated from the mirror universe not only for time travel but also just in the prime universe for a while and so that sent her over the edge but i also think too it was like she didn't start to fit anymore and that's what the whole test was about from the guardian um and it's so fascinating to see like these subtle changes into a world that she once knew and like literally owned most of and was like ruling over now she is just like this ill-fitting puzzle piece now it's just so fascinating to me and such like this two-parter is brilliant especially characterization wise like as a writer i just love this so much because it's subtle and i i love this about discovery too is they're not always just gonna like hand you stuff you know and so a lot of it obviously like she's liberating kelpians that's pretty big you know but even in subtle ways where her expressions or her mannerisms have changed to a little softer and a little kinder and she was all deadly edges before and so it's just amazing and like Michelle Yeoh thank you for your amazing acting always because it literally lights up the room and like steals everyone else's acting time away because she's just like oh my god incredible she's again one of those people that we've talked about that are always giving a hundred percent of their time and energy Uh, We talked about this with Kate Mulgrew and Sinequa Martin-Green. Yeah. Just people who just don't stop, can't stop, won't stop. And in any (laughs) any role I've seen Michelle Yeoh in, I've been enthralled and glued to the screen every time she's on. Even, oh, yeah, I I could digress. I love her so much. And I also think that this two-parter should go down in the Hall of Fame as one of the best two-parters. We have some really famous and amazing classic Trek episodes, but I feel like this one falls right into that, um, like right into that category because we have, of course, the return of the Guardian of Forever, which is so epic. I remember seeing this for the first time and literally screeching like a bird. I was like, ah! When they (laughs) used that same voice too, I was just like passing out. Guardian of Forever. (laughs) Forever. Yeah. Yeah. And they got an actor who looks like that voice somehow. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> I'm like, how'd they do that? <laughs> so, like, that in itself is so epic. And then to have this character go on this literally transformative journey. And then they wake up and it's only been, like, a minute. You know, yeah. like, inner light vibes, inner you know? Light, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Just like, O'Brien, too. Oh, my God. All these poor people. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just think this is a just fantastic episode and it makes me so happy to like be alive and be a star trek fan when this type of episode drops you know yes exactly like i remember watching it for the first time and 
just on the edge of my seat, you know, and I think discovery will sometimes get into these like info dump lulls where you're like, okay, this episode is solely for like information and maybe a little bit of character growth, but like, we're at that point in Picard right now too. I just gotta say right now, I still, so today the ninth episode came out and I have not seen it. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So I'm hoping we're over the info dump session, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. No, but I know exactly. So it is really amazing to see these shining episodes, especially one that gives us such insight into Giorgio, because I think we did get to see her a lot in the Mirror Universe uh, in season one. It was so Lorca-based and like war-based that we didn't get a ton of character background, and so we're slowly getting these tidbits, and you know, she talks about how she plucked Michael from the garbage heap, and how she killed her mother, allegedly, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's just so interesting to then get this whole dive where we're seeing, like, we're seeing her quarters, we're seeing her daily meals, like, literally every aspect of being a literal empress of the Terran Empire. We have a little bit before she goes into the Guardian, and there's this one part, like, because she can't show any weakness, and this is another part of her character that we learn about in the Mirror Universe, that, like, if you show weakness in this universe, you die, or if you show kindness, you know, that kind of stuff, and so when she's starting to glitch and starting to be ill, she lashes out because she has a lack of control now, and she said, I would put me down like a dog, she says, Mm -hmm. if... I were you. And that just shows the like absolute terror that people live in in the mirror universe that like that would be a normal thing to do when someone's ill. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I thought it was interesting how, and I don't know his name, the guy in the glasses who's always just kind of oh, popping geez. up randomly. Uh, Kovic. Kovic. Well, wow. played by David Cronenberg. So Kovic is also surprisingly brutal when he's discussing how to deal with her with Colbert and he's saying um yeah he's saying to sedate her and throw her in the brig essentially is the best way to let this happen while they figure out a cure or just let you know to let her go um and I think maybe he has some like future knowledge about other people who've come to the mirror universe or come to the prime universe he has the example of the guy who was stuck in the Kelvin verse who, like, died because of his weird injuries from time and space. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> Poor guy. That was very sad. Like, Nero really did that guy dirty. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was terrible, you know, that he's dismissing her right away and thinking that there's no hope. And yeah. I feel like Terrence, like, it, it's just another way of stereotyping, you know. It's totally. like, you don't, you don't know what Giorgio has gone through. Like, yeah. yeah, right now she is in fight or flight mode, and that is can be, like, really hard to deal with. But, like, she has changed, you know. Yeah, I mean, she's having literal flashbacks to, like, her biggest regrets. Mm-hmm. So it shows clearly that there is a lot of growth going on there. Um, and that she's projecting her own insecurities onto people. And, like... I love that she does let Tilly hug her, though. Like, that would never have happened earlier on. I was just going to say this, that she is surprisingly tender to Tilly and Saru, even. And this whole time, especially, like, in the beginning of season two, she was fighting Saru, saying that he was making the wrong choices and, like, a bad captain and, like, none of this is going to work. And then by the end, she very much, like is supportive of him and it's very sweet it's amazing i mean it shows truly how much she's grown past her stereotypes because like 
on Terra, they actually, like, eat Kelpians and use them as slaves and stuff. And so the fact that Giorgio could, like, actually see Saru and actually get to know him was just incredible and shows, again, her stepping beyond her, like, quote-unquote Terran nature. And I think a lot of times she uses that to, like, lean on. She's like, oh, I'm just Terran. You know, that's just who I am. When it's like, nah, like, you're better than a lot of the Terrans in that universe you know you just don't want to admit it exactly well and I think her relationship with Saru is exactly the thing that she uses in order to kind of like free the Kelpians yeah. <laughs> hashtag release the Kelpians yes. um, because when she finally is dumped into the mirror universe she goes through the door through the guardian of forever yes. and she sees like a Kelpian who's about to go through Vaharai like mm-hmm. pass out or like he like drops this juice or something and everyone freaks out and michael's like you're gonna be killed saru saves him it's impossible for Giorgio to look at kelpians the same again yeah because she got to know saru so well and then of course when his mirror self is there it's i mean it i oh my god it was hard for me to watch you know um because seeing how sweet saru is and i think (laughs) so often the mirror universe characters are just like complete terrifying beings to see Saru is like the sweetest person in both timelines I just uh... (laughs) that man kills me it gets me me. I know yeah yeah so I I think that directly led to her like saving him and liberating him Oh my god, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's because she's growing out of this cruel universe because of the love and connection she's shared on Discovery. And, like, you see how they're working hard to, to try to and help her through this. Colbert's working hard. Michael will do anything for her. Tilly is, like, always there reaching out to her. And, all you know, Saru, of course, too. And so I think seeing that over and over again has started to, like, make her realize, like, oh my god, I no longer can act as cruel as I want to to fit in to this mirror universe. And I don't know, I just, I love that. And, and, and when she's talking to Saru, she says, sometimes we need to go a little mad. And I just love that because it is sort of her just being like, you know what, screw it, I'm gonna go and free these Kelpians and do the stuff I want to do for this universe. Like, she literally is trying to, like, get Michael on her side so that they can try to rule in a different way. I'm like, what? This is like a game changer. This is really crazy. And she knows that she's been given this second chance. And so she's not wasting it. Instead of murdering Michael, which is the Terran way, and in everybody else's eyes, what she should have done, instead she get, she like puts Michael in the agonizer, <laughs> the agonizing yeah. booth, and basically like breaks her spirit. But yeah. like... The thing is, Michael even says it herself, like at the beginning of this episode, and they've even talked about it throughout the series, that in every universe, Michael will betray Giorgio. Yeah. And Michael, like Mirror Michael says, I betrayed you and I would do it again. And then, of course, even after all of this conditioning and after this whole torture session, Michael betrays her again. And Mm -hmm. so I think it was important for Giorgio to see, like, it's not me. It's this universe, and it's it's Michael. Like, it's who she is in this time. Wow. Damn, that's so true. And I think, too, like, she is trying to forge Michael into the daughter that she had in the Prime universe, in this universe, and one who she can, like, 
share things with and like go on adventures with but of course you're right like there's always going to be that betrayal and I hate I hate the scene where she's talking about like terror is love but it's so telling of this universe you know that this is what our world is and how we have to adapt and like that scene though I think one of my very favorite moments of the whole two-parter is when Georgia was sitting down with Michael Michael's like passed out not doing well um and she tells the story of going out and to the field of fireflies with her and she leaves fireflies on in the jar that more than anything shows her change in character and shows how much she's evolved and grown like she left that there you know as a gesture more than just saying the story and leaving like that's something physical that michael sees of her love and it's just wow it's baffling you know and it's so messed up and awful all at the same time and I don't know, I just, like, think she has a lot of courage to go through this universe and, like, one of the worst days of her lives and fall subsequent, you know, horrible weeks that she went through and decide to take a different path. Yeah, I thought it was really ironic, actually, that the sweetest and most caring we see her is when she's in the mirror universe because, like, she's just having opposite natures wow. in whatever... Yeah place she's in you know and now that she's okay. back in mirror she's giving michael all the love that she felt she couldn't before mm-hmm. and it's also like still twisted that she thinks that breaking michael is going to be the way to get oh. her back to her love because that just yeah. like doesn't happen mm-hmm. that's not how like good relationships are formed yeah. and so Giorgio doesn't have time for that you know like no. and, it, and it's probably not going to work to like be nice to True. her you know yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and another scary thing, quote that she says, she's talking to Saru and she says, my corpse would already be eaten to bones if I could not accurately judge between loyalty and flattery. And I'm like, ah, like that's so scary because it did happen in the prime universe. And like just that subtle little hint, just thought it was such a important and scary connection that she was making. Rihanna, you like set me in a in a spiral. Tizzy, <laughs> yeah, it uh, sent me as well. I was like, there's no other reason they would add that unless they're trying to allude to Prime Giorgio's death. Oh my so. god, this writing. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. I thought it was crazy. It but. really also made me think about kind of the trio, which we don't talk about too often because it doesn't really happen that much in the show. But the trio yeah. of Michael Saru and Giorgio was yes. so powerful on the Shenzo. And of course, totally. like that Saru-Michael connection has, has lasted this whole time and Michael and Giorgio. And so now to see that third piece of the puzzle coming together when mm. she gets to know Saru so well in the Mirror Universe is really cool. And, so right. and again, like the three are tangled up together. So mm. I, I also thought another parallel since we're speaking about them from the prime Giorgio um, you'll recall the first episode has them walking in the sand and they like yeah. walk out a starfleet symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when Michael is walking her to the guardian, it's in the snow. So it's like opposite, oh. you know, sand and snow. And they're walking together through like a really vast, empty wasteland, just talking together, you know? And so I thought that was like a really beautiful end to the book, you know, end to the Giorgio oh book. <laughs> now that got me in a TV. <laughs> that was really beautiful I totally agree That's I love those parallels well and I think too their parting 
time is so beautiful and the words they say to each other like Giorgio says some part of me was already dead you gave me life and oh I like to think about that <laughs> that Giorgio just because they gave her a second chance and because Michael decided that she should hitch a ride to the prime universe Michael saved her from obviously from getting killed in the mirror universe but also saved her from that like internal death that we can feel and so it was just I love that she was able to say that to Michael because Giorgio of a year ago wouldn't have been able to you know yeah no way thanks for bringing up the line about what she said like that she's already part of her was already dying Mm -hmm. um I was wondering do you think that Giorgio had started to change before any of this happened like when Michael betrayed her Michael was saying it's because you've changed And I know, like, I'm inferring that it's not just because of the, like, few things that she's done. Because she's only been back for, like, a day, and then Michael betrays her that day. Mm. And so I wonder if, like, do you think she was becoming soft? Do you think it was just another case of Michael, like, like, Michael's her blind spot, you know? What do you think about that? I think there's a definite possibility that, that she was starting to gain empathy or at least change a little before all this happened because I think we need I think we just need to know more about San and like what happened to him because she talks about big regrets like that you know and And San is is just interrupt is her son right that dies yeah I believe so yeah and so like we have no idea anything else about that anything else about that relationship and so I think that would put a lot of the pieces of the puzzle together but I think he could be a influence as to why maybe she was changing of like Maybe she's tired of bloodshed, you know? Oh, well, and I think she's one of the few people who can afford the luxury to start changing because she is the empress and she has a really high position of power and she has all the privilege because everyone below her is her subjects. And so she can do whatever she wants. Oh my God, you're so right. And yeah. like, there's no consequences except people start to lose loyalty. And yeah. one person who never does is Awoshikin. And I just yes. want to shout out like Mirror Owo is... Literally, ride or die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and they, badass too. They have that like her and Bryce are fighting in the corridor because she wants yeah. to like get his position, and Michael's like, "I'm betting on Bryce," um, and Giorgio's like, "No way! I'll bet you 500 credits that Owo wins because loyalty yeah. beats something. Loyal loyalty yeah, will win every it. time." Yeah, and it does. Lol. <laughs> wow. I also just want to continue to agree with you and just say like her farewell speech to Michael had me in tears because it's just so moving and I just am so proud of her and like the guardian warns her you know like there's going to be bumps and bruises ahead but like you're going to find meeting and you're going to be okay yeah oh my gosh it's beautiful and the way that at her toast like their little wake they have for her michael says that Giorgio was a mirror she never knew she needed and i just oh i love that perspective because like it is important to see these like darker parts of ourselves in order to know who we truly are and Giorgio was sort of the epitome of like someone who had both dark and light oh absolutely yeah wow (laughs) i just love her like a lot (laughs) you all can't tell (laughs) well so, because you said toast... I would like to propose a toast. Should we just yeah. do a toast to Giorgio? I would love to, yeah. Even, even though she's Giorgio. not a minor character, I'm just proud yeah. of her. Thanks, Giorgio. Thank you. Fantastic. 
And so I think we should crank up this happiness a little bit and yeah. get, a, get a little silly. You want to you want to introduce Jet Reno, Rihanna? I would love to. Oh my god, the lesbian of my heart. Happy Lesbian <laughs> Visibility Week, everyone. Yes, I have a lesbian introducing a lesbian. This is great. Um, <laughs> Reno, Jet Reno is wow. What what to say that hasn't already been said about Jet what Reno? Is it Jet Reno? <laughs> Literally, I mean, she can fix anything with duct tape she loves snacks she's incredibly <laughs> kind she literally saved so many people's lives with engineering knowledge super genius hilarious did i already say that i don't know i just everything about jet rito intrigues me and i know that like we don't get more of her because she's been sick and all of that stuff but like so i'm not trying so a part of me is like i gotta be patient like just let love the reno moments we get but because she's such a phenomenal character, I'm always left wanting more of her. Yes, totally agree. I thought she really reminds me of Scotty, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, I think, like, the female answer to Scotty. Yes. Um, even Calvin Scotty, I feel like she's really totally. channeling. Like, her and Simon Pegg have a very similar, like, They'd both be quips. like, can I get a towel? <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're so right, Ashley. So I, I love that. And Discovery desperately needs someone who's having fun. <laughs> yes, thank you. I also, I feel like she's secretly, like, the mom of the ship. Yeah. Like, she would never admit it, but she's always giving everyone really good advice. And she picks out, like, what is this petty drama? I need to go help them. And then, you know, she's like, you you guys just need to chill, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God, you're absolutely right. Like, sort of, I think, to incite chaos, but also to, like, reach a good ending, you know? Like, I think Reno pushes people to speak about their feelings. And that's so helpful because a lot of these people are very repressed emotionally and don't want to communicate or don't know how. And so Reno is seeing from a mile away, like, oh, my God, like the key to a good relationship is communication, people. It's going to be messy, but you have to do it. So she just like (laughs) shoves them together and is like, now talk. Now talk. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. It's it's an amazing skill. I also think that she's one of the few Star Trek characters in Discovery that had an overwhelmingly, almost like absolutely positive reception when she was first introduced in the episode Brother, which is the first Mm -hmm. episode of season two. I mean, this first episode has like some of the most exciting moments because we're... It's like Trek's greatest hits. It is. Like we're seeing the Enterprise for the first time in Discovery Mm -hmm. and I'm like throwing up joy. Passing out. Yeah. And and Michael thinks she's going to see Spock and so I'm sweating. Like how is... Ethan Peck gonna do this you know (laughs) and then we see Pike which is like so exciting because we just it's the beginning of this whole new journey with Pike and then we meet Reno so she's on an asteroid that's on a collision course with a pulsar and so hey when that happens I know me too and so their their ship that Reno was on crash landed and she was able to save, like, a ton of the crew. Like, most yeah. of them were able to get away and escape pods, but the ones that couldn't and were injured, she stayed with them on the planet for 10 months. Yeah. And she's just alone, like, talking to herself. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't I don't know how she could survive that, and she's working tirelessly to keep these people alive, and she's she does it. And she's not, yeah. as Non says... You're an engineer, not a surgeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like my Fantastic. favorite indirect McCoy quote. 
Totally. Yeah, so I, I'm just, like, so impressed right away, and I think especially seeing, like, Pike's face when Reno yes. is just so, like, being candid, being herself, and also being hilarious. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, the thing I love so much about Discovery is that it is sort of a show about, like, picking up strays. Like, I get a lot of Voyager vibes from Discovery often with this because they're picking up people who um, are who need help or who are transferring or they're rescuing them from someplace. Like I'm thinking about multiple people who sort of just become part of the family. And Reno is one of the most incredible characters that they added. Mostly like we're talking about because of these interpersonal relationships that she helps to sort of move along. But also I think just keeping the ship running wise, (laughs) she's also been an immense help. Yeah. Well, and we haven't really had an engineer type character. And so I think season two is definitely a more return to classic like more traditional star trek totally and so i think like why not add a really quippy amazing engineer yeah and i also want to say like i reference that she kind of reminds me of simon Pegg and scotty and what i had said about the 2009 star trek movies like that trilogy is that simon Pegg is so good if he's on the screen too much he'll just take over the whole movie Literally. And I feel the same way about Reno. And yeah. I know Tig Notaro has had breast cancer and has mm-hmm. been sick, like Rihanna mentioned. And so that's why we're not getting more of her. But I 100% agree that if she was in every episode, it would be the Jet Reno show. And yeah. <laughs> I can't say... I would be mad. I would not... Yeah, I would not be mad. I would jump for joy. I would like, where's my... Where's my Reno? Where's my Reno? Where's my daily dose of Reno? Literally. I also really liked in the episode where they find her... The fact that she respects Michael so much right away, I really love this sort of, like, communion of women who just, like, are amazing at their field and they know it. And they, like, immediately another smart and powerful woman sees that and is like, yep, respect immediately. And I think, you know, Pike, of course, is a much better Pike in this series. But (laughs) even in this, I think he was a little surprised that, like, she was doing this all on her own, which is surprising anyway, but, like... I think Michael was just like, oh, yeah, carrying the world on your shoulders. Like, I, I get you. And, I'm, a, I'm about to do that in a couple yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> literally. And, literally. And, uh, and Rito's like, yeah, same. And so I think there's some, some of that sort of kindred spirit you have with women who, like, definitely carry too much. And they get a lot of assumptions about that because they're women or whatever. But, like, I just love that immediate respect. Just like, yes, you're awesome. I didn't even notice that. I, I didn't really think Pike was... Like, I, I don't know. I do disagree with you a little bit. I think it is amazing for anyone to keep all those people alive, especially someone who wasn't yeah. a doctor. The mm. fact that it's a female lesbian <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think he was being outwardly sexist or anything, but I love that Michael was immediately just like, yeah, sounds right. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even notice that, but you're totally right. <laughs> like, cool, you jerry-rigged this heart? Like, all right. She's like, sounds good. I think Nan is the most shocked. She's like, yes, what is that's so happening funny. right here? Yeah. She's like, I see so many breaches in security. <laughs> Reno, we only have another episode, Species 10C, that we're talking about her. Ugh, this is just like, this end of season four is just absolutely bananas. There's so much going on every episode. And Reno has just been kidnapped by Tarka. And it's just terrible because she's just in the ship books like occasionally getting her licorice and she's just like please don't do this and it's just like so unfair that this is 
what's happening to Reno right now. And the fact that it took the crew like hours and hours to even notice she was gone. I'm like, red flag. Like, like I know you guys are in a very, very stressful situation, but you should still be able to recognize when one of your own is like, has been missing all day. I think in general, it shows how stressed out the entire ship was. Because yeah. in any situation, I feel like Discovery has noticed immediately when something yeah. is wrong. Like totally. we, we joke about this so much that in the original series, it takes them a full episode to realize like something yeah. is broken because of an intruder. <laughs> yeah. And in this one, it kind of follows suit. It takes yeah. them a whole episode to yeah. realize that something is wrong and that Tignataro is missing. Oh, Tignataro is missing. I, it's terrible. <laughs> I and yeah. also she only got taken hostage because she was doing her job and she noticed Literally. that there was like some weird stuff going on. She's the only one who's like thinking about the ship. And I also understand yeah. like literally Earth and Vulcan are about to be wiped out. So yeah. it's fair. I yeah. know where they're coming but from. I think you're so right with the Scotty connection too because I think she always maintains sort of a distance from her emotions when she's doing work. Kind of like McCoy has to do or like doctors have to do to separate their feelings from their work because there's always a, a life-threatening horrible dangerous situation going on in engineering usually like i'd say like <laughs> seven times out of ten which is pretty high um, engineers do not get enough love no, they're stressed and we never see them and they're down in the basement it's just like not good. <laughs> no wonder jordy just went through those walls when he was dead he's like man i'm not taking the door i'm going right through the wall Literally, like i don't have time for this i'm in the bowels of the shit <laughs> yeah so i just think that this is like very much on brand. I mean, Bellana does the same exact thing. It's like a, an engineer's guide to getting through stressful situations is compartmentalizing. But I love that also she's curious and that her curious nature, of course, gets her in trouble here, but it also helps to sort of like get through to book because she stays calm, she listens, and then she asks questions and like, you know, then clears the air with an occasional joke like it's literally like masterful the way that she and it's not manipulative either like I think she's genuinely curious about what's going on and also trying to like get through to him like hey you're with this crazy dude like this is not the way to do it we are so close to peace well also I mean she's talked about this with Colbert and so we know that she lost her wife so Ugh. she's lost a spouse. The tragic queer story yet again. Oh my I'm god, so upset they're always about killing it. off the gays. It's like, I'm so sad. Anyway. But so I think that gives her some perspective for Book, who's, I mean, he just lost his whole planet, which is totally different. But yeah. she sees Tarka also in pain, also because he lost a spouse. Yeah. Um, low key, not not officially, but like, but like they they were like cellmates yeah. for life, you know, in a if good way. You saw way. how he was like stroking his head. I was like, yeah, you guys are oh, gay. Oh, so gay, so gay. <laughs> yeah. I saw a, a great tweet that was like, gays I respect, and it showed like all the gays on uh -huh. Star Trek, and it said, not you, Tatarka. It's <laughs> because <laughs> he's Absolutely. like trying to kill everyone. Literally, you know? um, he is so a lot. Yeah. But so I think about like of all the characters to get trapped with book in the cell I think mm -hmm. uh Reno is one of the best ones like if it had been totally. anyone else I mean Michael of course would have done sure. beautifully and saved yeah. the day it's like Picard <laughs> I'm never worried when Michael's Same. there yeah. um Tilly would have done a great job but she's not there yeah. and so I think Reno is a fantastic choice because she's totally. like keeping it calm keeping it light exactly what you were saying so yeah, I just think that's a great choice by the writers to do that and by yeah, Tarka. Agreed. And, like, thanks, Reno, for investigating thoroughly. 
Literally, thank you for being curious, and I'm sorry that, like, you got in this mess because of it. But I love, too, that she does get a moment to share her grief with him and her story about letting go and about her misplaced grief of how, like, she was holding on to this patient who had her wife's same eyes. And so just like, oh, like, that's so painful because, and she knows, you know, like you said, to an extent, grieving is different for everyone, and of course, but, like, she knows still what that loss feels like and that really helps book to sort of let down some of his walls and that's a hard thing to do he's he's very much like he does not want to feel things so shields up but i mean so is reno so she really gets that like she's always got shields up yeah absolutely well i just want to do a toast i would like to propose a toast to tignataro because i really hope that you're feeling good and that we see you more next season and we love you yeah Yeah. we would die for you literally (laughs) thank you well and ashlyn while we're on the subject of toasting um we've talked about her a little bit but i would like to give a toast to non i would like to propose a toast here goes i wrote down a whole thing okay great Okay, so this is to Dr. Non. From the Enterprise to Discovery, she's worked tirelessly and at great risk to herself to, quote, preserve as many lives as possible. She is one of the strongest, coolest security officers we've seen and a woman of strength and valor. She chose to go to the future as an ode to Arium, who she witnessed and partially caused her death. Her honor code shines brightly (laughs) as she dictates herself to the seed vault ship off and honors the family as well i thank her for her compassion strength willingness to speak up and her overall badassery okay thank so you thank non. you to non rena that was a lovely speech i honestly didn't understand about a third of what you said because of like i was like what's the ship called and what, oh. what's the species like man i didn't remember any of that stuff <laughs> i think Non is a character I sort of latched on to. No, no rhyme intended. <laughs> <laughs> this it's this like one... Tom <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> oh lord, um, oh, it's happening again. I know. <laughs> um, I really loved her in the beginning, especially when she's fighting with Giorgio against almost a Tarka. Lol, against Liam. No, what's his name? Liam. Liam. <laughs> Um, when Leland was control, I love when they're like, you want to fight him and all this stuff. And Nan's like, mm, yum. And I'm like, I just love this. Like these two women were just ready to like kick butt. Absolutely. Yeah. And female security officer again, which we haven't seen since Yar pretty much. Well, actually I was thinking that I was like, I feel like they're trying to do a Yar thing. And I actually didn't like Nan at first because <gasps> of the way she was in. Wow. That gasp was Sorry. too shocked. <laughs> Rihanna, she was kind of introduced as a suspicious character oh yeah you're right yeah so that's why i didn't like her um but yeah i was i'm sad that she hasn't been in season four and i know she's doing her own thing boom boom she was there for a minute because she was excited about the victory about earth not got a non-cameo no she was part of the mission wasn't she back on earth yeah she was helping people with tilly i believe yeah so we got a little view of her yeah cameo yeah Go on. I really like her. And I was so confused. If you listen to her Patreon, I thought that, like, her species lived underwater and her little oh. thing, like, <laughs> like gave her water somehow. Because we watched a Patreon episode of the animated series where yeah, Kirk and Spock were underwater. Like, is that a what? <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. Anyway. 
Well, I think we should move on to another lady who has stuff on her face, and that is Detmer. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Ashlyn. It's called cybernetics. Excuse me. It's called Star Trek learns more ways to glue things on people's faces. <laughs> okay, you're not wrong. But I, it if, looks cool as hell. So if I could do it, I would. Like, yeah. I just, I don't want to, like, commit Shave to having yeah. De- Detmer's amazing hair, but, like, maybe yeah. for a con, actually. Ooh, okay, wee, wee, Mission Seattle. Con idea. <laughs> I might just do a little shavy shave. <laughs> You've got exactly her hair, pretty much. So Low key. I just, just need, need to the, dye it. Uh, entire Discovery outfit. And oh yeah, sure, no problem. I also just want to do a quick shout out to all you cosplayers out there because as soon as Strange New World drops in eight days, you're all going to spend your life savings getting yes. new uniforms. Yeah, or <laughs> or building them. Like I saw so many people making cosplays. Yeah, it's just amazing. So, congrats all. <laughs> well, yeah. So back to Detmer. Yeah. Um. Well, Ashlyn, we were talking about Reno's ability to like bring people together and I know this is a little bit out of order but I just want to start with this because like Reno does help Adira get up the courage to talk to Detmer because they're really nervous and admires Detmer so much like Adira was like I just want to be her but like how do I say that and it's just really cool because I think a lot of times Detmer doesn't get like the screen time she deserves or the like you know love she deserves and so seeing yourself through someone else's eyes especially someone who admires you is sometimes like a really good way to sort of realize that like oh I'm doing well and like people think I'm doing well and I just love, <laughs> love that idea it's like oh man story. I've got like a great face up right now no one knows what I'm going through yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that too yeah but um oh my gosh it's just so cool I love that scene where then they get to have like a little talk and actually get to know one another i'm like can i watch the scene i'd like to get to know detmer more please i don't want to watch it i want to join them at the table are you kidding me i like i have my drink i'm ready i'm just gonna sit in silence and watch them talk (laughs) (laughs) i love every second yeah one thing i was also gonna say about that scene with reno and adira is that Reno brings up, you know, like, oh, you think Detmer's, like, always perfect and doing well, Mm -hmm. but you should have seen her when we came out of the wormhole and we crashed the ship. And Detmer, you know, she, like, has a really hard time. And then Reno goes on to say, it takes a really strong person to admit when they need help. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was, like, a literal exact quote from what, or, like, exact reference to what happened in the second episode of season three when they crash and exactly what Reno's referencing because Detmer's not dealing with it well. Like she's having PTSD. She is like really having a tough time. Like mm-hmm. seems like she's disassociating, like really going yeah. out. And she ends up going to Colbert and says, maybe, because um, Colbert says, how are you? Like, are you okay? And she says, no, clearly I'm not. And yeah. then she like breathes out a little bit. She's like, whew, that was really hard to say. And yeah. so I just thought that was such a beautiful, even though Reno wasn't there for that scene, like yeah. it was such a beautiful answer to that. It's like, wow, Detmer, you were really amazing to say that you were not doing well. And it, it yeah. is hard to admit that you're not, don't oh have gosh. it all together. I mean, as Reno goes on to say, so I guess that does make Detmer the shit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank like, you. Like literally, there's such a strength in admitting when you're not doing well. And I think our 
go-to for every conversation is hi how are you oh i'm great or oh i'm fine thank you when like you know i'm i'm like been crying all day and then someone asks me how i am i'm like i'm great i'm like wait hey god like you know there's strength in admitting when you need help and when you're just like can't deal with it on your own and detmer i mean they literally say like Culver's like pilots are and Detmer's like macho (laughs) like that's kind of the perfect way to describe it because like Tom Paris is the same way we have Judzia Dax is also very similar she's a pilot like there are just that brand I mean Riker Riker's pretty in touch with his feelings low-key but not as much as Troy so it's different But anyway, I just like to think about, obviously they're all different too, but I think like Detmer holds so much on her shoulders because when they have that dinner in Forget Me Not and she's saying that she had to like fly this monster, you know, essentially. And I think about that a lot. It's like literally one of the most stressful jobs, I think, behind engineering and captain. (laughs) Like it's like captain, maybe engineers are more stressed than captains. Let's be real. We're bringing up all the stressful, (laughs) all the stressed uh, positions you can have. Right, literally. So it's just interesting to see the way she reacts. And I'm so glad that she goes and gets help. And it's cool also to see that like it takes her time too, because I think a lot of episodic shows would just be like, boom, boom, she's good. She's cured, you know, and we have the luxury of getting to know these characters linearly really well. Um, so we could see that growth. I think this is also the start of a pivot that Discovery is making and Star Trek is making as a franchise yes. where they're really spending time talking about people's emotions. And because yeah. the crew has gone through so much being in the future, you know, like and everything they've gone through to like give up everything yeah. in order to be here is oh really, God, totally. really hard. And I think a Ooh, lot of them yeah. took that step without really understanding the baggage that it would come with. Um, And so I think it's really important that they are talking about feelings and normalizing therapy and um, everything that Dr. Colbert does like in season four is amazing. But I also just want to mention that the first time I saw season three coming out and I saw Detmer having these like, you know, she's shaking and um, she can't keep it together. I thought that control was like Mm. still in her implant or something because I'm so used to Star Trek not discussing feelings of trauma. That I was just, I was like, oh, it's like a plot thing that's happening to her. It's not just like she has to like work something out, you know? Right, totally. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I am so glad they're going this direction because I think like TNG tried and just could not, you know, with Troy like missed the mark. And not because of anything Troy did, it's just the time and writing wasn't quite right. And so I just love that Discovery, we have this era of like, yeah, let's actually be open about mental health and how it affects so much of daily lives and it affects so much of decision-making skills, all of this stuff. And so I think it's just so important that Detmer gets this story, that Tilly gets this story, Michael, Book, all of these incredible characters. Yeah, Stamets, legitimately. Even Colbert needs to go to his own healing (laughs) vacation. Um, So anyway, it's Zora. Like, everyone goes through this, and so I think it's really, really awesome um, that we're getting to speak about it more, and it being portrayed more accurately, too, because that's also a common tragedy in, in the media, or is just, like, mental health being portrayed as something negative. Well, yeah. negative, but like as something like as a joke or, or to be afraid of or mm-hmm. yeah or stigmatized in some way so mm-hmm. yeah 
it's really cool. Yeah, I think it's great. I also, I really was not sure how to take the scene where they're at the dinner and mm-hmm. they're doing the haikus and then Detmer's mm-hmm. talking about like, we couldn't get Stamets blood off the floor mm-hmm. and she's like, keeps talking about Stamets blood and is laughing. Yeah. And, like, that was a really jarring scene. And totally. I really liked Detmer, but seeing that, I was like, that is not okay. You know, yeah. like, the atmosphere instantly turns. And mm-hmm. I, like, I watched it a couple times because I also, yeah. I watched it literally, like, last week because I, I thought yeah. it might have a cheers in it or, like, a toast right. for our, yeah. literally, for, for our bite. toast yeah. episode. And, um, yeah, for the soundbite. And... So I, now that I've seen it like twice in a week, mm-hmm. I really don't think she could control what was coming yeah. out of her mouth. I think she was just so, lol, on autopilot or just yeah. so like checked out she couldn't control what was going on. Yeah. It's hard to relate with that, but also I just thought it was just interesting to include, you know, that she's so far gone in this social setting that she's like, nope, I can't, yeah. I, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm totally, by, yeah. yeah, totally like a trauma response. It's really interesting to show those types of like scenes because it does give you, give people more of an understanding of like trauma manifests itself in so many different ways, you know, and people aren't going to handle it the same. Like we're talking about with Georgia, she handles it through anger and putting it on other people, all of that stuff. And Detmer is also putting a lot of that, you know, just, I don't think she has anywhere else to put her negativity kind of thing or put those like horrible feelings that she's experiencing. So it's just really fascinating that like Discovery is really, it's just groundbreaking. Like they're doing so many incredible things to help us learn about infinite diversity and infinite combinations. You know, every person is different and has different responses to things. Yeah, And, you know, I love that Stamets and Detmer get to hug at the end of that episode and it's this like apology and this like, I love you in one, you know, just like we're a crew, we're family and I'm sorry, you know, and so... It's just, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and I thought that the ease that they forgave each other was really nice to watch too because mm-hmm. I kind of forget because it's not on screen all the time that the crew does spend so much time together. And yeah. now they're all probably sick of each other because they've been in the future for so long and totally. they haven't interacted with anybody else. Um, yeah. And you could just tell it was like two friends after a fight like reconciling and I thought yeah. that was really nice to see. Oh, yeah, it was so refreshing to know it's not going to be drawn out. And Stamets knows he's been through this. He understands. So that was really cool. Yeah, and I just loved then to see Detmer's growth going into season four. And she goes down on the mission to help them discover some sort of way to communicate with the 10C. And I love that she still is trying to, like, apologize for her for having feelings. And Michael's like, nope, I will demote you. Which, by the way, she got promoted. She's now commander. Oh my god, I feel like when everybody came to the future, they all got a promotion because Uh, um, in All In with the Woshikun, she's a lieutenant commander, and I was like, bro, I love this glow up. (laughs) Literally, so I was happy for all of our our ladies. You know Harry Kim is like screaming through the void. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, these people got promoted in one season. (laughs) Yeah, all they did was travel into the future. (laughs) LOL. It's not um, like he never did that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Only a couple times, but that time I got a race. <laughs> no one remembers. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, Ashlyn, this might be the perfect time to move on to Oshkun. 
Yeah. And I also, just as another bridge to the transition, I think it's yeah. outrageous that Detmer and Owo have not had an on-screen relationship because they've Thank been, like, you. holding hands, right? This yeah, is, like, like ah, so annoying. Owo checks on her when they fall into the future. And, like, you can tell when she's going through this PTSD that Owo has got, like, her, you know, sort of an she's eye on her. She's got her back, too. Yeah. Like, she's defending mm-hmm. her to the rest of the dinner. She's, like, yeah. you know what? She did land that. Yeah, you know? yeah. She's, like, she did literally drive this entire Don't you shit. forget it, fam. Yeah. You know? Well, and, like, I love Owo because I think her, like, ops position is, like, the one I would want. Like, I'd want to be the checkoff of the crew. So I don't have to fly, so it's not that much stress, but I still, like, can navigate and I can, like, do weapons and stuff. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. So, anyway, I just, like, have mad respect for Owo as well because, like, it is the two of them. And I love always the dynamic between the Helms officers and to see them just, like, almost get some really loving, tender moments and then they snatch it away from us. Oh, it's cruel. Just, like, why? Well, so this is probably my, like, biggest complaint about Discovery is that even though there are amazing smaller characters on the bridge... We don't know that much about them. And I feel like, you know, in shows like TNG and DS9 and Voyager, all of these shows have thousands of characters. And yet they're able to balance them so well. And so I think partly Mm. we're feeling the difference of only having 13 episodes a season. Oh, it's tragic. And having an arc. It's like two strikes against those Mm -hmm. small characters. And so with that being said, I do think it's time for a toast for Lieutenant Nielsen. I would like to propose a toast. Yes, thank you. So um, this type of toast is for my husband, who in one of the episodes of Discovery we saw, Nielsen came on and he was like, who the F is that? I've never seen her. And I'm like, I was like, bro, that's Dang. Lieutenant Nelson. How dare yeah. you? Like, <laughs> but for those of you who don't remember, she's that blonde who's like mm-hmm. on the right of Michael and she's like yeah. doing her thing on the bridge. She's sometimes on the left though. So. Oh. <laughs> well, she's blonde. I think she's one of the few blondes. So Lieutenant Nelson, here's to you. You might not say a lot, but damn, you are dependable. You crush your assignment on the bridge, and I hope to see more of you in the future. Yes. <laughs> That's my toast. <laughs> well, yeah, I just want more of her. And I think there was this whole thing because someone played Arium after, and so Nielsen's actor, like, switched or something. Do we know more about this? Did you is do that, any research? Is that Arium? Rihanna, you are so correct. Um, so Sarah Mitch... She did play Arium in the first season of Discovery and then Lieutenant Nielsen in the second episode. Okay, yeah. So I think they were sort of changing the characters around maybe a little. Yeah, I mean, that's... Arium, who, you know what? I think it's time to do a toast to Arium. I would like to propose a toast. Because how cool. Rihanna just randomly assigned these women to me. I didn't realize I was doing two from the same actor. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay, so Ariam. Oh, man, there's a lot to say about you. So, Ariam, it is so tragic that we learn the most about you at the end of your life and that you played the part of the classic story trope, which happens so much. Is like, that's like fodder. You know, like they're fattening the pig up to roast when they show you an entire backstory of a side character you don't know too much about. Um, You did not deserve to die so soon, but your death helped save the entire future and was insanely heartbreaking at the same time. Thank you for your sacrifice and for your bravery. 
and also for creating an episode that I cry through every single time that I watch it. I see like the opening of the beach, and I'm like, and here, here it goes. (laughs) Well, Ariam, here's to you. May you last forever in our memory and in Lieutenant Nielsen. Love that. Well, shall we continue with Owo? Oh wow! I think we should. Oh wow! Yeah. So I, I am happy that Oh wow and Detmer are becoming like our. I mean, they've already been our Sulu and Chekhov of the series. Yeah. But even more so because now we know more about them. Totally. And I just want to say, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I am a new woman. I'm in so in love with Owo Shakun. Like, I think yeah. something about seeing all of her scenes back to back, like, awoke a fire within me. And now mm-hmm. she has suddenly become, like, my third favorite Discovery yeah. character. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I am just, oh my god. Her hair is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, when she's in Incredible. that fighting outfit and she's so oh, powerful, I'm straight up fangirl right yeah. now. So Yeah. And yeah. you have every right to be. These scenes are so powerful back to back. I'm just like, (laughs) oh, wow. Yeah. We get to see, like you said, snippets of Oishikun and Detmer together and, you know, some of their off duty just like at in the mess bay, mess hall or whatever. The mess Um, bay? (laughs) Sick bay in the mess hall. (laughs) Dining hall. (laughs) It's the cafeteria at sick bay. It's the sick hall. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's where Keiko so, gave birth. Oh my god, you're right, the sick hole. <laughs> um, so, our first background information about Oshikun we learned at the end of season three. So this is what we're talking about. Like, it's so crazy how long it takes for us to even learn our main characters. And, but we get to learn that literally Oshikun has been holding her breath for ten minutes since she was like five. And so she has a lot of really great control of her breath. And so when the life support systems are down and everything's haywire and they have to get to the nacelle, she is like the person for it. I also and, just want to like add in for, cause we barely talk about the season three finale on the pod. Yeah. So for people who don't remember like what even was the finale, mm-hmm. this is when Osira was taking over discovery and the crew were all separated and they had to like get the ship back and they all had to do like little things to make it get back under their control. At this point, Michael is like fighting Osira literally like in a fist fight with her. And then there's like Osira's like terrible friends are also on the ship like fighting other people um so this is all against the orion syndicate yeah wow it's no good news going on so the bridge crew has escaped down into the lower decks like we said they're heading to a nacelle and so we learned that awushka the reason she's been able to hold her breath so well and like is doing fine in this uh or better than the others in this um, literal no-air environment is um, she used to free dive for abalonia, which I guess is a like type of food, I'm not sure, in these caves. And so she said it was for tradition and sustenance. And I love that. Like, there's something so cool about sort of like a ritual for like your food, but also just like a way to connect with your community. That is so epic. So cool and amazing. No one no. learned how to, like, do these deep cave dives, you know, yes, except exactly. Owo. So it's just, like, so cool how, like, much that really comes. Like, that's extremely useful if you're going to be yes. working in space. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it shows just, like, 
her strengths in these different areas. And I just love this because it allows us to get a deeper backstory in her character and also to see how she deals with this because like this is terrifying. They have everyone's passing out and they say like you have to go ahead you are the only one who can go up there and get this pack into this nacelle to blow it up so they get out of the slipstream anyway it's crazy a lot going on she makes it and she does have to leave everyone behind and she's like you'll die and like she's probably pretty certain that they won't make it out of this or at least her her friends and her family well and so it's just like oh my god that's so heartbreaking and yet she like pushes on ahead and does it and then that dot sacrifices its life to help her which is cool but it's amazing i, I really loved because rihanna you, you set up that scene so perfectly i felt like i was watching it again oh, thank um you. i love when she looks back at all of them and they're all starting to like pass out yeah. and they're on the ground and she says i love you all And it's so genuine that I really felt like she thought, like, this is the last time I get to say it. So I'm just saying it. Like, I love you guys. Bye. I'm going to try to save you. It's beautiful. I actually just made a TikTok of that moment. So you all should check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Trusty old Rihanna. (laughs) Reliable Rihanna. There's a TikTok about every second. Um. Oh, it's gorgeous. And of course, it helps save the day. And oh my god, there's just so many cool moments in that episode. But it's really cool to focus on Oishikun's. Oh, yeah. I also just love the fighting scene in All In. Because once again, like she's an amazing fighter. Amazing fighter. Yeah, like we know so many of the women on Discovery are fantastic fighters. Like Mm -hmm. I think in Starfleet you have to have like really good, you know, like combat training. Combat training. Just especially in zero G if you're (laughs) you know, like you really gotta (laughs) practice. Sorry, I'm thinking about an animated episode <laughs> we just reviewed. We, like, we just recorded that like a couple days ago, and I've been thinking about the Jihad episode so yeah, much. It's fresh <laughs> in my mind. Anyway, um, yeah, you got to have all this combat training. It's, it's very important, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, so the whole reason she's doing this is because they need money to get, I, I don't know what metal it is from this guy. Oh, I saw, I saw oh Rihanna yeah. knows what metal it is. I don't even know if that's a metal. Is that like a gas no. for the ship? Ashlyn, <laughs> it's uh, it's what they need for like to take it away from books so they can't use the isolytic weapon to oh, blast into course, the DNA. Of course, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> you can tell I was skipping ahead until I saw oh whoa, and then yeah. <laughs> that I, that I started Absolutely. watching. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's the whole reason they need the money is because Book and Tarka are also trying to buy it. And so yeah. they are trying to get more money than them to Michael and Owo to buy it out from underneath them. Do you think they had a conversation, like a deeper conversation, before Owo Shakun went into the ring? Because nah. they clearly hustled the dudes. Yeah, but I don't know if Michael was in on it until... I don't I don't know one. either. Because I really... The thing that I, I kept going back and forth the whole time. Because yeah. Michael has these fantastic rhymes. Like, oh my yeah. god. She is ultimate yeah. hype man. When she's like yes. rhyming. Like, every, like to that. like hype up Owo to get people to bet on her. Yeah. And then even, she's going down, she's going down, she's going down. She's losing these matches. And then it's just like, they, they kind of have a couple looks at each other. Mm-hmm. And then Michael is like, okay, whatever. And then once again, she's giving out these insane rhymes. Yes. <laughs> 
Ashlyn, I feel like I was just watching that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that, like, Michael's concerns seem really genuine. She seemed like, oh my god, like, oh, whoa, I don't want to keep putting you through this. But I think it could have been. I mean, I also think that she trusts Awashikun and she trusts her combat abilities and knows a Starfleet officer is, you know, I think even at one point she did say, like, he's too big for you, which is so funny because, like, that's how she takes him down, essentially. Yes. He's, like, big, so he's slower, and so she just slips around him and gets all his pressure points, essentially. She's, like, amazing. I love that scene. I'm, like... I'm just, like, sweating the entire time I'm watching it. I'm, like, keep it together. Oh, she's so cool. Well, and I also... So epic. See, that's also part of the reason why I thought maybe they had the plan going in, or just, like, Michael knows her so well, because Mm -hmm. I thought they were talking really loudly to each other so people around them could hear like oh she's fighting with her person you know know michael's a good actor so like probably yeah and also she's done these types of situations with books she had a year of like freelancing you know (laughs) where she's just in in these really tight situations doing whatever she can to like get by and so so yeah i think she also still has that instinct in her and so Mm -hmm. when she sees someone who's in control of the situation (laughs) she knows it yeah i think you're so right and also, I was really reminded of Seven of Nine when Owo, so she's doing the last round and it's like everyone's going all in. It's like bets are final. And he says something like sexist and annoying. I can't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And she says, you and your friend need to learn some manners. And I was literally thinking about Seven of Nine being like, you haven't mastered manners or whatever she said to the doctor. I'm like, yes. yes. Like, teach these men some manners. And then she does. She knocks him on the ground. I just, I love it. Like, there's something so satisfying about seeing her just, like, completely hustle them. It's It's amazing. It's amazing. And I also just want to point out that this is a super historic episode because it is the first black female away team. Like, oh! (laughs) Have we even had, like, two black women together on the screen before? Like, besides, like, Michael and her mom, you know, like, this is just so amazing. And to see them going down together and they're just talking and Michael's being like, oh, I just... Oh, I just love them so much. Ah! Like, it's so powerful. And even like... And they're such a team. Too. Yeah, and Tarka is like the only like white guy and he's evil. It's just amazing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Problematic gay. I love Well, you know, and something I really adore about this OA team too is the fact that they have this little conversation before they reach Karma Barge. Michael's saying she had a conversation with Saru about a washkun and her like oh, moment. Yeah. Yeah, of panic like, and yeah. of like feeling like a loss of control when they found out Earth and Navarre were threatened. She sort of was like, "We have to go and do something," and felt this urgency of like, "Oh my God, I I can't just sit here and do nothing." And so that's the reason that Michael brought Owo on this mission. And I just love that so much because Michael relates, and I think it's so cool because she gives her the gift of action, and that is one of the greatest gifts. You know, it's like I've gotten out of my funks or just like my stresses of like doing something and inputting action and man does she put an action like it's just incredible these scenes and just that gift Michael gives her is so cool yes I also thought this last scene with her and Tarka um because Michael's playing the the poker game and yeah um and so Tarka and Bookis too 
Um, yeah. And so Tarka and Awoshikun are like on the side, like having mm-hmm. a little like side character discussion. Yeah. And <laughs> Awoshikun like immediately, within 30 seconds, figures out Tarka's entire motive. Yes. <laughs> just, oh, totally. I thought that was so cool because she like looks at him, she thinks about the situation and she's like, oh, mm-hmm. you're doing this because you lost someone, someone you loved, and this is about revenge or, like, getting to them. And mm-hmm. we don't even know that at this right? point, right? Yeah. Like, we don't know don't so. about Targa's lover. Seen... Oh, no, yeah. We have yeah. yeah. And so, like, this is still kind of early-ish in the season. And I was just Incredible. like, what now? Oh, whoa. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, you really figured oh, wow. it out. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh, she's stunning. I just love this. And also how she, like, calls him out for his ego and is like, yeah, and your ego won't let you know, you do anything else but be this center of attention, even if it's, even if it's for these motives, and correctly assumes his pain, and I like, too, that he asks her, like, oh, you probably have, like, a really buttoned up, like, Starfleet opinion about this whole thing, and she's like, I just know that if it goes wrong, you're gonna get a lot of people hurt, including, like, yourself and, and us, and more people who won't get, won't have gotten hurt otherwise, you know, and so I'm like, I love that, because it's, just all these women with their absolute candor out here being amazing. Yeah. Telling well, the men how it is. Well, and he is... Like usual. He assumes that she doesn't have an opinion about it or, like, she yeah. hasn't thought about it. And it's like, if you're... Uh, like, I, I'm like, it's just so ridiculous. Like, yeah. it's not just, like, the captains are the only ones thinking it and everybody else are yes people, you know? Really? Yeah. Like, it, and I can tell you, you know, like, any job that you work at no matter your position, you're thinking deeply about all the tasks that you're doing and you're like <laughs> yeah. thinking about the drama amongst people and you're like, okay, right. and everyone has their own opinion. So, oh, absolutely. I was just really happy that she got to share hers and totally unwrap Targa. Like, yes, a bow. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It was beautiful. Um, so I totally forgot to do her when we did the non-section. Uh-huh. But I want to give a toast. I would like to propose a toast. Uh-huh. To Audrey Willa, who uh, okay. pretty much we were searching for, <laughs> searching for ladies who were cool and did some cool stuff. It's like, who is this, Rihanna? <laughs> who is this? Um, this is yet another badass female security officer, and she's security officer of the Federation, and she's also in the seed episode with Nan. <laughs> um, so if you all don't remember, the she... seed episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where she, where Nan transfers to the um, seed ship. <laughs> Got to be a better name for that. <laughs> What's it called? The seed drive. Anyway, doesn't matter. She starts out as um, pretty reluctant about this like brand of Starfleet and Discovery's crew and everything and was pretty much there to watch them and make sure they stayed on mission all that stuff but um she my toast to her is pretty much just that like she grew up in a world that was filled with uncertainty and where the Federation is merely like barely holding on um so meeting Discovery she is first skeptical but the love and connection of the crew rubs off on her and she is also just a very strong woman who uh, will stand up. And I just want to shout out women like Willa who are scared to open up but trying to learn and grow anyway. Here's to women like Willa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and more female security officers. More women who are just like literally kicking butt all the time. Thank you, Rihanna, for that lovely reminder of that lovely lady. 
Thank you, Ashlyn. <laughs> well, I think it's time to talk about the only woman we've not even said her name yet. <laughs> I think we have. We already have when we talked about Reno. Oh, okay, well, we barely said her name. <laughs> it's, of course, the amazing and illustrious Tilly. Yes, oh, Sylvia Tilly. My friend! Ah, I love okay. her! It was insanely hard, like with Michael, to not choose a million Tilly episodes, because Tilly, I think, is one of our characters that we get the most of besides Michael and Saru, like, but besides the, like, higher Captain Sea level characters. I think, too, and I was actually talking to some people about this at the convention, but I think Tilly represents so many of us, and she's she's really the, like, heart of a lot of Star Trek fans, you know? And I think that, like... A lot of us grew up, like, awkward and, um, nerdy, you know, or whatever. If we're Star Trek fans, then we probably did a little bit. And so I think everyone can relate to Tilly in that way. Um, she's also really funny. She's also super awkward sometimes. And, like, I think it's sort of, it's just very endearing to me because it's like, oh, yeah. And she's also a badass. She's also a genius. She's also all of these other amazing things. So it's really cool to see that she gets such a beautiful, well-rounded character. Yeah, and I also think that she has a great arc. We talk about so many characters have great arcs in the show. Mm -hmm. But especially going back to the beginning, like to early Tilly episodes is yeah. really funny because... And sad, because she has so much less confidence in herself, and yeah. she feels really out of place. Well, not out of place, but I guess just, like, feels like she doesn't fit in, you yeah, know? Yeah, and trying to navigate things. She's yeah. trying to find her way, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, I loved Tilly right from the get-go. I think she was supposed to be, like, I don't know, I, I think she's set up to be, like, an annoying character, because she talks a lot and, like, yeah. she snores and mm -hmm. everything. But I think she's a amazing character to have be roommates with Michael at the beginning of the yes. show. Because, again, like, <laughs> we've been talking about characters like Reno who are so good at kind of neutralizing the situation. Tilly is number one, you know, and there are so many times in the show totally. where she is chosen to go on these really important missions just because she's Tilly and not even because she like, yeah, she has this like a, amazing engineering and like scientific knowledge, yeah. but like her, she doesn't have like quote unquote street smarts. She yeah. just is who she is. And, um, on, when she's like in stress or under pressure, she just is Tilly. And that's, mm -hmm. it makes the situation better 100% at the time. And it makes people more at ease because they have her around. And so I just, I love seeing her transformation. And also, like, just that that core part of her just being Tilly stays the same throughout. Yes. And that is what's celebrated as we get to know her more. It's like, what, like what's Tilly doing? She's being amazing. She's being herself. Yes, exactly. Um, that's so beautiful. And I think, too, Saru says it perfectly. He says, you were, quote, a wonderful first impression. Mm -hmm. So I just love that because it's true. Like, I think even even though Tilly is not, he's a fictional character and all of this, she is, like, also someone who I think would, e would easily put me at ease. You know, I think that she is, if I met her in real life, like, I just feel very comfortable around Tilly. And... 
I love her interactions with Pike when they're first meeting. Like, it's there's just so many iconic Tilly moments that I wish we could do a whole podcast on her. But well, yeah. so I want to talk about Killy. So yes. I mean, I we spent a long time talking about Giorgio in the Mirror Universe, but mm-hmm. the entire crew goes into the Mirror Universe at the end of the first season, and an amazing thing happens and Tilly has to pretend to be her mirror counterpart who is Killy and we get to see so much of Killy in Terra Prime part one and yeah. two. Oh my god so much yeah. but um we get to um but then I I think it's it's so much fun to see Tilly pretend to be Killy um so you yeah. know they get her decked out in the outfit um, and also like in the very, so like there's, it's kind of a transition because the first time that this happens, um, they, Discovery has just figured out that we're in the mirror universe and we don't know what's going on and this is crazy. And Lorca of course is like playing his part so well, totally, pretending yeah. like he has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so this ship, this mirror ship hails them and says, Oh, Discovery, what are you doing? Like, why are you just sitting here? You know, what's going on? And they take forever to respond. And so the ship is really suspicious. And it's basically up to Tilly to not get them to examine any further. And so she responds audio only. And it's so awkward that you're just like, you're like covering your eyes. Like, no, Tilly. (laughs) Like, just, ah. Like, it's so awkward the way she's talking to them. And and even Lorca is like, oh my God, like so Mm -hmm. embarrassed. What I thought is interesting about all that is that it seems like Lorca does not like Tilly, like, the entire time, and so, Mm -hmm. but, and yet he loves Michael, because they were lovers in the Mirror Universe, but, like, Killy, Captain Killy is, like, really intense, and, like, terrifying. Yeah, it seems like he would be friends with her in the Mirror Universe. Maybe he didn't like how different they were, like, how they're literal mirrors of each other yeah 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 maybe or maybe he yeah I don't know I mean, she was loyal to Giorgio so that's probably the other thing yeah yeah that's probably why too but anyway yeah, yeah. I just I love seeing that you know just and also just to see like as a measure marker to see how far she's come yes. um something I love about Tilly throughout the entire show too is that if a character's sitting alone you, it's guaranteed that Tilly is going to go up and sit with them. This happens oh, with Michael when she's mm-hmm. a mutineer, known as the mutineer. This happens yeah. with Ash Tyler when he comes on board. And he's been, like, you know, cling up, fight And yeah. he's, like, survived this crazy ordeal and he she goes and sits with him and mm-hmm. with Giorgio too yeah with Giorgio exactly and so I just like want to implore all of you to be Tilly in the world you know like mm-hmm. if you see somebody sitting alone and and like you know they don't clearly want to be alone like don't yeah. go up to someone at Starbucks and just like <laughs> sure you know hang like, out with them yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but like you know if you're in the situation and you feel mm-hmm. like someone needs a friend especially in like a school environment or totally. like something where you're all eating together in a cafeteria like be Tilly because that's what she would do yes. oh absolutely and she also I think it's so cool to see her have to become Killy because she has to project this strength and this self-confidence that maybe she doesn't have yet. And so I think it does in a way, Killy leads her towards like 
accessing that again and accessing her powerful side and getting to show it to the world. You know, and I love that she's like, I'm 60% terrified and 40% excited. She's like, maybe it's more like 70% terrified, but it's like hilarious because I love that, you know, just like, yeah, I'm, I'm scared, but it's also a little bit exciting and like stuff, you know, and so it's really cool to see her navigate that, but also she's so scared of becoming Killy, but Michael's like, there's no way you could, you know, I mean, they're like, literally their strength is born out of pure necessity because the universe is so twisted. And so, I don't know, it's just really cool to see that confident side come out in Tilly. And yeah, I think Killy guided her a little. <laughs> yes, I actually wrote that down. Let me see. Um, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I remember what I wrote. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I actually totally agree with you. No surprise. And <laughs> I think that her having to pass through this hurdle at the end of season one does actually set up some growth for her for the rest of the seasons because she does have to face that like mirror version of her and she has to project that confidence. And so I think, I mean, there's like so many motivational things, you know, like Rihanna doesn't like this term, but fake it till you make it. I, yeah. really, I really like that term because it, I feel like it is true a lot of the times for me, if I'm having a bad day, but I not force myself to smile in like a, you know, like a, like yeah. a bad way, but like mm -hmm. if I am pretending to be okay and I'm not actually shoving something down, I can turn my day around because I'm surrounding myself with positive people. I'm faking mm -hmm. it till you make it. That's, I mean, yeah. that's not to doing, don't do it to the point of like being toxic to yourself yeah. or hurting yourself. That's not okay. But I feel like with Tilly, it's that she, she's faking it till she makes it, you know? Totally. And yeah. I think once she's had that taste of confidence and how like actually like powerful she can be but not in a bad way like in a yeah. in a badass way I think it's really mm -hmm. good for her to have accessed that the more we see her throughout the episodes the more she is sure of herself and she knows her place in the ship she has this great rapport with her and Stamets and also she's become like the go-between with so many different yes. characters and I just I love that and because she's so empathetic that she can like help anyone Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's one of her strongest traits, I think. And and but also one of the hardest to deal with because she gets hurt a lot of the time because of it. And as a person who's really empathetic, I really resonate with that of like it's a double-edged sword, you know, and I don't know, giving up that much of yourself is a really vulnerable position to be in, but she does it anyway and she gives everyone her full self and there's something so liberating about that. It kind of reminds me of Kira in a way, you know, a very different ways in which they like give them all themselves, but still that same kind of energy. And I just, oh, I love that about, about them. I do too. I also just have to shout out Mary Wiseman because yeah. like she's fantastic as Tilly. I also know that she's had a limited role in the fourth season of discovery. So yeah. we, we get some really interesting episodes in season four because Tilly is suddenly finding that she's not happy in her place. She's been promoted to Lieutenant and she's getting all of this responsibility. She's first, she's become first officer um, in Michael's place. That's back in season three when Michael's like going rogue and running around. Yeah. Um, and then when Michael is captain, she just continues to like rise up and be amazing. But she's finding and she's talking to Dr. Colbert 
she's finding that she doesn't feel like she really fits in and that something is wrong and she doesn't know what's going on. And so we we talked about this episode, specifically All is Possible, um, mm-hmm. with Strange New Pod the day it premiered. Yeah. But so I re- I might repeat myself from that, but and it's crazy also that we're we're talking about an episode that is like so recent too. Yeah, Just like wow, wild. we're so late in our podcast series that we're finally on fresh episodes. I kind of have mixed feelings about Tilly's like journey. I yeah. think it's amazing that she is choosing to go to the academy. So this is what all of yeah. this like comes to a head. She goes on this journey with the Kuwam a lot and yes. um, Michael's mom. <laughs> and, so awesome. Um, she has this like harrowing mission with these cadets where they're on this frozen planet. Mm-hmm. And eventually she does take up a position at the academy. And I think that everyone can resonate, especially with right now, like during the pandemic where like people are quitting their jobs in like the hundreds of thousands, you know, like so many people are realizing, oh, like I'm not being treated fairly. I'm not, I'm not like getting enough money for my job. I'm going to do something that makes me happy. Tilly's not having that same crisis, but she is realizing that she is only in Starfleet because it's what her mom wanted. Like it's what she knew her mother would be proud of. I think that is something that is so real that happens with people. You have these expectations growing up and so you follow this path when you're really young and you don't necessarily think through like what it means or why you're doing it. And so I thought this was a really realistic way to show growth. I also just like want to shout out, I was listening to the Conan O'Brien podcast today and his Mm -hmm. interview with Molly Shannon, who's, who was on SNL for a long, long time. She has a new book out, a new show, but she was talking about how when she was on her time on SNL, she'd been there for a while and she realized, oh my God, I'm only in this because my dad wanted to be an actor. Like, that's the only reason I'm an actor, because once he passed away, she was having similar feelings of like, hmm, like, do I even still care about this? And so I thought that was really interesting. And also, you know, I think everybody goes through that, like, whether even if it's not your parents have these expectations for you, maybe it's a teacher, or maybe it's Mm -hmm. a, like, mentor, you know, who has these high expectations and pushes you in a direction. And then once you have the freedom to make your own decisions, you're like, oh, no, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this thing on on a degree. Luckily, I don't think Starfleet costs any money for Tilly, but it's more of an emotional toll, you know. Emotional degree, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I think, Ashlyn, that's really cool that you share that. So much is born from expectations. Our superiors are people we look up to. And I think that it's really cool that... Tilly gets to go on this mission with the Quat Milot because then she sort of gets to see the experience of Gabrielle going through this of oh my gosh my mentor the one who brought me in is now doing these horrible things like I have to figure out why it's really interesting to see that like these are the women who are coming out of their sort of expectations that people put on them and coming into their own and so yeah it's I love Tilly's arc for this reason and I think her time with the Quat Milat is essential and you know we're going to talk more of the Quat Milat as a whole when we get to Picard um, because its origins are there but we're lucky enough to have these amazing badass Romulan fighters 
and other species, humans, probably Vulcans. Um, it's really cool that, that Tilly gets to be a part of this woman, this all woman away party episode. They get to experience that growth together and sort of learn together of like, okay, Tilly got out of her comfort zone and a little too much, you know? And so I think, I don't know, it's just awesome to see these women encouraging and helping one another. Absolutely. I think I feel very mixed about her arc because I do love it for her and I love the relatability of the story, but also it means that we get less Tilly. Yeah. And so this is why I also just really want to shout out Mary Wiseman because she is in, she has endured like so much fat shaming and like fat phobia from Trek fans, non-Trek fans, like, and honestly, like she is one of the first actors to not be like the same body type as everybody else. And so she's really going through a lot. Uh, and so I know she needed a break from that. And I think also she was working on another project. So she's yeah. not like gone or written out of the show. No, but no. it is just like heartbreaking to know that. I mean, and I've seen it myself on like, you know, social media. Like you see a picture of Tilly and it's just terrible, the comments that are below. And so like oh, that's disgusting. It's yeah. one way that Trek is, you know, like starting to push the boundaries a little bit. But I do think like body issues are literally never talked about <laughs> and that's never um, like a really a really big deal um really big gap in a really big gap in star trek's uh like writer writing and yeah yeah and so i just like i think as humans we all like have a lot of body issues we all go through so much like with our own image and our own appearance and i think women especially yeah. because that's how traditionally forever is how we are defined by our worth is how we look and so I just yeah I'm just grateful for Mary Wiseman for being in this amazing role of Tilly and being someone who's basically Wonder Woman you know yeah literally well and Ashlyn you're talking about sort of like I think Tilly is stepping out of also a stigma of like Starfleet is the best path for everyone and this is a really beautiful Trek story that I'm glad is being told in like a discovery lens because uh, we see it from Wesley, we see it from Jake. We get to see that Tilly doesn't follow the quote-unquote traditional path and that not everyone's journey is the same and I think that that is really cool but I agree it's like so sad that that means we don't get more Tilly but I do love that she gets to appear again at the literal end of the world almost like she's just drinking vodka with admiral vance as they watch the world (laughs) possibly end um it's epic and tragic and like so brave and beautiful all wrapped up into one i'm like oh my god tilly you're killing me here yeah i love this yeah, I did not know what was going to happen in that finale. I was very yeah. stressed. <laughs> very stressed. Oh, my God. Especially yeah. because Admiral Vance, like, clears the room, and he's like, everybody go. I'm going to stay and go down with the ship. And Tilly's yeah. like, no, you're not. I'm my coming dog. with yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Tilly talks about her mom so often. Like, even yeah. even in season one, um, she's talking about her. She has a heartbreaking goodbye to her when she goes to the mm-hmm. future at the end of season two. And while she's, like, in the Kuat episode, um, she's the counselor between Michael and her mom. 
when they're kind of, you know, starting to fight a little bit about the Guat Malat lady. Um, yeah. Who, the, Her name is Javini. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, about Javini, who they're trying to, like, bring back from murdering a comrade. Tilly says, you know, if I, like, I, my mom and I did not get along at all, and she was someone who didn't like children or didn't like people who needed things from her or needed, like, love from her. And yet, if I saw my mom right now, I would give her the biggest hug. Mm -hmm. And so I love that line because it kind of puts things in perspective for Michael and Gabrielle because they've had their whole lives, you know, that they haven't been talking and didn't even know that Gabrielle was alive. And so, like, I was thankful for Tilly. And I also just, like, send love to her that her mom is always on her mind, even when she's in the future. Like, that just tells you powerful influence in a bad way she was as a kid, you know, that her inner dialogue is her mom's voice, you know? Oh my gosh. Well, and the fact that she's finally shedding that hold that her mom has on her is so liberating and such an amazing character arc. I just really love this Choose to Live episode because I feel like the Quat Milat bring out such amazing things in people and the uh, philosophy of absolute candor is so important sometimes and I love that Tilly then decides to like put it on herself and I gotta say like you know like therapy is hard work and like it's not fun and it's not easy a lot of times and so the fact that like she did that you know and that she was able to look in and be truly honest to herself is so brave and like we're talking about with Detmer you know like Tilly's in fact the shit as well mm-hmm. <laughs> as Rita would say so it was Gabrielle talking about the saying they have in the Quat Milat which is choose to live which is a longer saying of the path you're on has ended choose to live and I love that too because I think then we're also talking about sort of the internal death that happens inside of inside us and like that choosing to live is like choosing a different path towards living your best life again and living something that a life that you can be happy and proud of and not just your long lost mother can be proud of you know and Tilly I think takes that to heart in such a beautiful way that she like manifests all this energy all this incredible new life for herself yes what Tilly continues to say is like well what do we do like in real life you know when we're not faced with a Kwamla sword and then Gabrielle says well sometimes endings at the end of a path can be harder to spot in real life Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's not unimportant or like essential that you leave the path that you're on and I just love that because again I mean it's Star Trek Discovery's talking right to us all with the pandemic and yeah I just think that's such a good reminder for everybody is like sometimes you can choose to have your path end and you can go on to a different path like how exciting is that And you don't have to be stuck in what's expected of you or societal or self pressures or familial pressures that you've dealt with. Like you can shed those and you can become the person you want to be. It's amazing. Uh, Just like, thank you, Tilly. And I I think it's another way that Star Trek is creatively dealing with like, okay, we don't have Mary Wiseman for the whole season, but damn, we're going to make it count, you know? Yes, exactly. Like I still lament the fact that she didn't get an actual goodbye scene with everyone. It was this like montage of hugs wherein like Giorgio got this entire massive toast scene. Even other faces we've seen leave like Non got a better goodbye. And I'm like, Tilly's been with us since episode three. This is how we treat her. I'm just, I, my mantra with, with Trek and episodes coming out all the time is I trust the writers. <laughs> I trust the so writers. I'm yeah, just hoping her back. So like, okay, maybe they're going to 
uh, I don't know, maybe, I don't be know, better. It, yeah. just, it stresses me out. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Oh my gosh. Well, Ashlyn, you know, the only person who could not win Tilly's heart was Grudge. Oh, And this yes. is time. I would like to propose a toast. Y'all, I am the most excited for this. I have composed a poem <gasps> in honor of Grudge. Oh, in honor I of call your cat. It Ode to Grudge. Brothers Liu and Durban played her so well. Like a stately royalness, everyone could tell. She's a queen of spacefaring schemes. She fights battles with graceful ease, but hides wisely at Saru's screams. <laughs> oh, that, that wasn't Saru. <laughs> Oh, Grudge, we will always protect you, and other worlds rally around you, too. You're beautiful, I think you're divine. As Book says, she's heavy and she's all mine. Oh, cheers <laughs> to Cheers grudge. to Grudge. I love that cat very much. <laughs> that was amazing. And Thank you. I look forward to seeing it published. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send it to StarTrek.com, see if they'll publish it. Front page. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, I too have a speech to give to not just any animal, but to a trans worm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I really had to look up this. Rihanna wrote down this, uh, all the women that I should give a toast to. And I said, who's Molly the trans worm? <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like if Giraffe was here, she'd be like, um, Ashlyn, and she would yeah. exactly, like Rihanna. She'd say the episode Yeah, yeah, to give me a Which whole... Which is season three, episode one. Yes. That it's... hope is you, part one. Exactly. It's the whole book and Michael, like, how they get together, like, as a friendship, and how they get together as a partnership, and of course, the start of their love story. And, and the start uh, of Grudge's story, too, which is insanely important. <laughs> and the start, the beginning and the end of Molly's story. Yes, um, Molly got a great art. <laughs> so Molly is this worm that's being hauled in this cargo bay like a whale. <laughs> <laughs> Better be whales here. There be whale, There be worms here, Captain. Worms here, Captain. Um, and so she's... Basically, they're gonna. She's gonna be used for food, and so she was taken from her native habitat. And Book says, "Nah, I don't want this to happen." And so this whole episode is about rescuing Molly the worm. And she she seems like a monster, but no, she's really cool. And so here's my toast to Molly. I would like to propose a toast. You are large, formidable, and got a literal taste of Michael. But, because remember, she swallows Michael Michael for a minute, yeah. But I'm so glad you weren't eating his food. And thanks to Book, you can live out your days in a beautiful sanctuary. So, Molly, thanks for showing us that you don't have to be, like, beautiful to be powerful. Damn. Um, She said, (laughs) oh, do we? R.I.P. Molly, sorry. <laughs> you just got roasted. Okay, it's because, like, my bipedal judgment <laughs> is is inherently flawed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if I spent more time around Molly, I would learn to see her beauty. Like, Book d- definitely did. Yeah, like, Book did, exactly. Mm-hmm. And Book is so empathetic and loves animals that I'm just yeah. so happy he got to save Molly. So, Molly, yeah. here's to you. Um, bring in people together since probably... The year before Discovery started, because you're a worm. 
Yeah, woo! <laughs> worms everywhere. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Oshkun, oh, wow. As usual, thank you for listening. And Rihanna, thank you for discussing. And I really am so happy that we got to spend the time to talk about these women. Because they all deserve to have, like, 30-minute conversations about them, you know? And I really felt like we got to, like, dig deeply, as we always do. And as much as I adore having guests on our podcast, I also love just getting to talk with you and getting to laugh and be weird. (laughs) (laughs) And be, like, have, and just, like, Toast to worms. Yeah, toast to worms. Be extremely niche. I just really appreciate it. Um, There's also someone else that I really appreciate that I want to bring up. And that is our latest patron, Anna Post. I'm just like so grateful for you. You just became a patron a couple, I think it was two days ago. And Anna says that she's been listening for a bit and she loves the show. She really enjoyed your weekend insights um, and approach to trek through themed topics. Had to sign up for Patreon now that I finished all the back episodes. And I just like... thank you. I just can't (laughs) believe that like people finished all the other episodes and now like need more. Because this is how I go into podcasts. I'm like really obsessive. Like if I like really like a podcast, I'm going to listen to every one. And then I'm going to like find everything I possibly can about that podcast so Mm -hmm. the fact that someone feels that way about ours is kind of mind-blowing yeah it's incredible yeah yeah so I'm just so thankful for you Anna thank you for becoming a patron and thank you to all of the fans out there I also have to shout out this is like the shout out special because we haven't done shout outs in weeks Mm -hmm. but I'm really want to thank you to Russ Peliquin Rihanna you've got to say hi to him at the convention and got a great picture with him he's just like such a loyal fan and um someone who's been with us since the beginning and like we have such great interactions on instagram just thank you so much and thank you to julian and giraffe from strange new pod there are so many other people who yeah. oh, the funniest frontier who always like funniest frontier yeah yeah well, and also us. also to um t alexander who became our patron yes. last week uh yes. you're incredible we didn't get time to shout you out on our um main feed pod so here it is we really appreciate you and um we hope you got your sticker so yeah just thank you so much everybody we're just so grateful to have you and i am freaking out people okay i'm freaking out for a lot of reasons one reason is that i just remembered it's thursday and that right now i'm gonna go watch picard so i'm freaking out i'm gonna watch the ninth episode literally as soon as we shut this down it's gonna be epic the other thing i'm freaking out about is that next week we are talking about feminism in picard yes we are oh my god and that's gonna include like live fresh episodes so if you are not caught up on picard you better catch up right now now. or you're gonna have to skip an episode and that would be terrible that would be tragic yeah so definitely catch up also ashlyn and i are very excited this tuesday Day, May 3rd, we will be doing a live glass painting session. We had all of you vote on social media and goth Janeway, evil Janeway, whatever you want to call her. Caneway. Caneway <laughs> um, was the victor of the glass painting poll. And so I will be painting her live while Ashley and I discuss the best pets in Star Trek. Yes, you heard right. You all also maybe had participated in our polls of what? 
theme we should cover and pets was the winner. So we're very excited. I, we're probably going to bring up Molly and Grudge again. So I can't wait to talk more in depth about them, Ashley. I feel like it's rude to think that Molly's a pet, Rihanna. Whoa. <laughs> but I mean, if we're discussing animals. But it's called She's pet not a pet. Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. She's not a pet. She is a graceful animal. Pet Trek is going to be epic. We will be sending the link soon on our social media pages. We're very excited to do our first ever solo Dura Sisters live event. It's going to be a donation. So all proceeds go to the Hope Clinic in Southern Illinois, who provides abortion access and care to women and people who need it. Also, anyone who donates has automatically entered into our little raffle of who will win the Janeway glass painting we will be doing during the session. So very exciting. Get on our social media, click the link in our bio, and mark your calendars for 7 Eastern on May 3rd because we will be going live talking about amazing stuff and giving away goodies to people who donate. So we're very excited for that. And as always, there's amazing stuff coming from the Dora Sisters podcast. Like, Ashley and I are just idea machines. So, like, we cannot be stopped. I can't believe our podcast meeting sometimes. We come out of it on the other side and I'm like, we just destroyed that meeting. That was great. Yeah. We yeah. crushed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Rihanna mentioned goodies, plural, as donation rewards. You will also have a chance to win some stickers, not only yeah. the Painway um, yeah, painting, Painway painting. Yeah. but also some stickers. And so, you know, I think if you're able to watch and able to donate, you could win some really awesome stuff and give to a really fantastic cause. So please yeah. tune in on Tuesday. Our social media is going to be really annoying reminding you to join and sign up. Yeah. But it's going to be a great hour of your lives. And, yeah, Ashlyn's uh, going to be monitoring comments. So you get time to interact with unfiltered Dura sisters. So be interested. That is always a joy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of weird moments. So. Oh, yeah. But, like, weird's part of the job, Ashlyn. Yes, thank you. See, that's an appropriate time to use that quote. You said that last week, and I was, or whatever, in the Patreon. Man, why do we keep thinking about the Patreon? (laughs) We just really want you all to listen to that episode. (laughs) I just, like, animated series, it's starting to make me a little crazy, honestly. Like, I don't know what reality is. though, you know? Like, I'm kind of happy to be in this weird reality as the animated series, so. Yeah, man. I hope Jachar doesn't betray me in real life yeah i've been saying what in the cosmos like a lot actually <laughs> well so. i'm trying like blue blazes to wrap uh, up this episode Rita. yeah <laughs> okay let's do it <laughs> thank you all so much for listening we will see you next week for feminism in picard and hopefully see you on tuesday Wow! yeah Ow. thank you for listening to the dura sisters podcast for the ninth episode of our feminism series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the amazing women in Picard. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron, like Anna, and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, our review of the movie Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. 
You can find all of this and even more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these amazing podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, and movies. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these spectacular episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Both our intro and our outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. I don't know his name. The guy in the glasses who's always just kind of oh, popping geez. up randomly. Uh, let's see, guy. It could be anything. It could be literally anything. I know he's like a famous man, too. Wow, they got it. Okay, Kovich. Kovich. Wow. Played by David Cronenberg. Ah, of course.